Our gospel reading comes from Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered into Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass the way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was unhappy to welcome him. And he, so he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today is the third and final message in our sermon series on generosity. We've talked about how God has been generous with us and how he asks us to share our first and our best with him. Now, one of the things that research has told us is that people who are generous often report having a very deep relationship with God and they feel that God is part of their everyday lives. And so they're more generous because of what they have received, because of what they have been given, because of the way that God has been present in their lives. So as we begin today, I want to ask you, why do you give? Why are you generous with what you have been given? Now, Pastor Robert told us a little bit about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man who lived in the city of Jericho. And according to the Gospel of Luke in the 19th chapter, we find out that Zacchaeus is a lost man who climbed a lost tree. Now, what do I mean by that? You see, Zacchaeus was referred to Jesus sort of indirectly at the end of the story that Pastor Robert read to us as someone who was lost and Jesus came to seek the lost, Luke tells us. Now, he was lost because he had, in a sense, given up God's purpose for his life and instead had become this chief tax collector. Now, why did people hate the tax collectors and especially the chief tax collector? And I know, I know, a lot of us probably would not be happy to see someone coming to get our taxes because they're often after our hard-earned money. But it was a little bit more complicated than that for the people of Israel. You see, they were not supporting their own government with their money. 
They were supporting an outside foreign force who had come in and taken over their land. The Roman Empire had beaten the Israelites. They had taken over the Jewish people in their land and they were taking money to fund their power, their empire. And it wasn't just that these tax collectors were traitors who were taking money from the people and giving it to the outsiders, the foreign force that took over. They were also skimming a lot off of the top. What we know is, is that the Roman tax system taxed the poorest people the most. And it took a lot of their money and put it to those use. And so in a sense, what Zacchaeus was doing was hitting the hardest people even harder so that he could get wealthy. He was a lost man who had given up his own people and had given in to greed in order to become wealthy off of them. He was a lost man and he climbed a lost tree. Now, why is it a lost tree? You might have, uh, have noticed that the Bible goes out of its way in the Gospel of Luke to tell us that the tree was a sycamore tree. Now, it's important to understand that it's not like the sycamore trees that we have here in North America. What they call a sycamore tree was a sycamore fig tree. It was actually native to Egypt. It was native to Egypt, and you could find it in the lowland areas of the coastal plains of Israel. But you would never find it in Jericho. Jericho is part of that arid area, very close to the Dead Sea. It was not the kind of tree that normally was placed there. In fact, for a sycamore fig tree to be in Jericho, somebody had to plant a seed or plant a, a, a sapling there in the ground to grow it there. It was, in a sense, not where it was supposed to be. There's actually a picture uh, of it that we had put on the screen, uh, a sycamore tree in the city of Jericho in Israel in the modern day. It didn't belong there. We don't know how it got there, but it was there, a tree out of place, a lost tree, a sycamore fig tree in, in Jericho. Now, Jericho would have been full of palm trees. It would have had plenty of palm trees for him to climb up to see Jesus. But he didn't choose to climb one of the many palm trees. It was called the City of Palms, by the way. He could have climbed up any one of those palms, but he went out of his way to climb this sycamore fig tree. In a way, it's almost clear that, that Luke's gospel wants us to understand this is a lost man who climbed a lost tree. There is something completely out of place with his life. It is broken. It is not as God intended it to be. Now, most uh, pastors and preachers and commentary writers would take this story and have Jesus meet Zacchaeus and go on to the next part of the story. The next part of the story, in a sense, is the perfect second step to what happened in the previous chapter in Luke's gospel. You see, in the 18th chapter of Luke's gospel, Jesus is teaching and he meets a, a young ruler, someone who is very wealthy as well. He asks Jesus, what does he need to do to inherit eternal life? And one of Methodist's favorite passages come from this. 
the man and Jesus have a discussion about what's important for him to do. And it's to love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love his neighbor as himself. And he says, I've been doing this ever since I was a little boy. So Jesus says, wonderful, great. What you can do next is sell all your possessions and follow me. And the man cannot do it. This wealthy ruler leaves. He departs from Jesus sad. And Jesus then says something very interesting. He says, he says you know, it'll be harder for a rich person to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, if you're one of those people that sort of reads the Bible just by a verse and says, there's the word of God, that's not great news, is it? <laughs> that is not great news. And thankfully, the Bible continues with this story, Zacchaeus. Because here's a wealthy man who gets through gets a camel through the eye of the needle. He gets to eternal life after he encounters Jesus. So it's possible with the power of God for this to happen. That's good news. And if we stopped reading at chapter 18, we didn't get to it. What does he do after encountering Jesus? He ends up giving away half of his possessions and all the people that he defrauded, all the money he skimmed off the top from the people who were paying taxes, he would pay back fourfold. That's amazing. And that's what many preachers and, and commentary writers focus on is what happened to Zacchaeus afterwards. What I want to do today is focus a little bit more on why it happened in the first place. How did it happen that Zacchaeus became that generous, that his life changed that much. Well, we read in the passage today that Zacchaeus was living in Jericho and he heard that Jesus was coming by. We have no idea if he knows who, Zac who Jesus is. We don't know if he had heard of Jesus before. But Jesus is there walking through Jericho and we know that Zacchaeus hears that this man is here. Jesus is there. We don't know if he knows about Jesus and he's got to see, he just desires to see Jesus or if he's trying to figure out who this man is that is so important that so many people are following him through town. We don't know the answer. We don't know if Zacchaeus wanted to change or if he was fine the way he was. Luke doesn't tell us that. All we know is that Zacchaeus wants to go and see this man, Jesus. And it's Jesus who makes the difference. Jesus is walking through town. He's walking through Jericho. And he could have paid attention to all the priests and the Levites, all the religious people that call Jericho home because it was close enough to Jerusalem that they could live there and go to work when it was their time to lead worship. They could have, he could have looked at any of those religious people that would have been interesting to talk to, but Jesus does not pay attention to them really. Instead, Jesus looks at the lost man in the lost tree and says, I'm coming to your house today. Notice that Zacchaeus did not ask Jesus over. Again, kind of pointing to whether or not, we don't know if Zacchaeus wanted to change or not. Zacchaeus did not invite Jesus. All he wanted to do was to look and see who this man was. 
But it was Jesus. Everything hinges on Jesus in this story. Jesus is the one that notices him. Jesus is the one who is generous enough to say to him, I'm coming to your house today. Hurry, come down, let's go to your house. And other people grumbled. Did you notice that? <laughs> they're, they're not happy that Jesus, this guy that they all want to see and probably want to hear from and want to see do miracles, is going to the worst man's house. <laughs> they're not happy with it at all. But Jesus is generous and he wants to include this lost person. In fact, if you read the Gospels over and over again, Jesus spends more time with the people that are lost than that are found. In fact, he tells us he goes to be the physician for the sick, not the well. The spiritual physician. So everything hinges on Jesus. He's the one that notices Zacchaeus. He's the one that invites himself over. He's the one that shows up in his life that invades his home and invades his heart. If Jesus chose not to do any of those things, we have no idea if Zacchaeus would have changed at all. So everything hinges upon Jesus choosing to give his time and his attention and his resources to Zacchaeus. I think it's important for us to understand that, that when Jesus shares his time and his attention with other people, he is sharing grace with them and often their lives are forever changed. And they end up going away either praising God or doing things differently in their lives because of who they encountered and what it meant for them. I mean, can you imagine right now how it would feel if Jesus showed up unannounced, uninvited to your house today? How many people would be ashamed because your house is not ready for Jesus? It's not clean. The laundry's out on the table and I'm guilty just like you are. What does it mean though that he comes anyway? What does it mean that he comes to us as we are, not before we clean up our lives or our house, not before we get to the point where we can pay back God for all the sins that we've done. He comes to us before we've done anything to get ready for him. Jesus shows us generosity and love and gives his attention to us because it's not about what we can do to love God. It's what God does to love us. That kind of generosity is what changes Zacchaeus. That kind of love and power is what makes all the difference. That's how the lost man and the lost tree can become the one who gives the most. The change happens because of what Jesus does. And I want us to think about what that might look like for us. What might that look like when we give the way that God gives, the way that we include or, or the way that we treat other people and love them and share our time and our energy with them? This past week, some of the members of our church were at a special event honoring urban ministry. Urban ministry does amazing work 
It's a United Methodist organization that helps people in West End. In fact, if you were here earlier this spring, you may have heard the pastor of, of Urban Ministry, Garrett Harper, preach here. And he told us a story about a man named Charlie from Vestavia Hills. Charlie served on the board for about 30 years. And he was known throughout Vestavia Hills, really throughout the community, as being a generous Man, always serving, always sharing. In fact, I was in a group of pastors that he let us use his lake house for one of our study retreats years ago. His grandson got that generosity bug from his grandfather, Charlie. In fact, his grandson, even though he wasn't on the board of directors for Urban Ministry, ended up going and worshiping on Sunday mornings at Urban Ministry at the church there. And he stood out quite a bit because he was one of the few Caucasian people in the room. But he was there and he was going week after week after week until one Sunday he was about to head out of town and he heard a prayer request in worship. The prayer request was, we don't know how we're going to function this next week. Our family doesn't have a car. We don't know how we're going to get the kids where they need to go to get to work, all of this. And that grandson who had, been, who had been in the midst of his generous grandfather and knew what his grandfather would have done in a moment like that, knew what he had to do. After the service was over, he went up to the pastor, Garrett, and to the family and said, I'm going out of town for two weeks on a work trip. I don't need my car. I'll pick it back up in two weeks. And he gave his car to this family he didn't even really know out of the generosity that he had been taught. We have a member of our church who uh, goes and visits people who are in assisted living, who are in nursing homes. She calls them her people. Louise Mango spends a lot of her time caring for people and including people who sometimes might feel forgotten by their church or even by their family. She spends hours upon hours upon hours with people, spending her time. She's generous with one of the things that God has given to her because of the way in which she has been loved. And then finally, I've got another story about a person in California. This person, her name was Rosita. She noticed that her community was being infested by gangs and that things were not safe anymore out in California. In fact, there were crime rates that were rising and it was getting closer to where her home was. And she noticed that the uh, children were not staying in school. In fact, the dropout rate was getting higher and higher year after year after year. And she felt like somebody needed to do something. So she convinced her husband to clean out their two-car garage. And she started something uh, called Rosie's Garage. And Rosie's Garage is a tutoring center. They opened with 16 kids. They did homework assistance and they gave them free lemonade. She opened up her home and gave it to the work of helping kids in the community. And out of the love of God, they ended up continuing to help kids. I saw one video of a kid who had been there for eight years and he could speak English, he could study, he knew what he wanted to do with his life, all because somebody opened their home to them 
and treated them with love and dignity and respect. And do you know, because of what they've done, they now have four locations out there in California. And in those areas, they've noticed graduation rates are starting to increase and crime is starting to decrease. All because they gave the space of their two-car garage to help other people. You know, when I think about the things that we can put in the plate, it may be more than just the things I'm about to take out, which is sort of unholy, right? Because I'm not leaving my car keys in here. I've got to be able to get home. But, but you think about it, the things that we can, we can offer God, we can offer others, are not just things that come out of our wallet. It can be things related to our time and energy and our resources, our knowledge, our skills. All these things can be offered to God. And I start to think about what it means for us, for generosity to be a response to God. Because if I think about it, the Bible is pretty clear what God gave to us. Jesus didn't give just a part of himself or a little bit of what he had or who he was. Jesus put everything about himself, his body, his heart, his divinity. He put everything in a sacrificial offering for us. There is nothing that God withheld from us. Not a single drop of the blood of Jesus was held back. Everything was given generously for you, for me, for all of us. And that's the kind of generosity that changes people's lives, isn't it? That's the kind of generosity that made a difference in Zacchaeus. That's the kind of generosity that made a difference in all the people that I told you about today. That's the kind of generosity. God loved us before we could love him. God gave to us before we could give to him. And that's the kind of generosity that we can practice. When we give first and we give our best, it makes a difference. When we give first and we give best to other people, God can work through our generous offerings. And maybe, maybe, people's lives can change just like Zacchaeus when we give. There's a quote I want to share with you that talks about giving all that we can, doing all the good we can. And it comes from John Wesley, who helped start the Methodist movement. He encourages us to do all the good we can. In fact, I want to be careful because there's a, a quote out there that we may attribute to John Wesley that he didn't actually say. It's do all the good you can in all the ways you can as, hard, as, as long as you can. That may not have been John Wesley saying that. It still sounds really good, and I think he would agree with it. But this is an actual quote, okay? Except for the last line there, because he said to all men, but this is what John Wesley said in the sermon, The Use of Money. He says that God wants you to use what God has entrusted us with in doing good. All possible good in every possible kind and degree to all people. Do all the good you can. Every kind of way you can. To all degrees. To all people. Do good to others. Now why would John Wesley say this to us? I think it's because he knows that when we do good in the name of God, God can work through those efforts and it can make a difference in people's lives just like Zacchaeus. Jesus did good 
How could he do anything but good, right? He did good. He was there in front of Zacchaeus. He showed him his time, his attention. He invited himself over to his house. He loved him, and it made all the difference. What can God do with what we offer? What amazing things can God do when we put what we have in his service? Amen.